My name is Padraig Tuma, and early in my career in conflict resolution, I think I used to hope that I could bring everybody in a conflict resolution to the same point of analysis about what was going on. But one of the things I began to learn very quickly was that ultimately in resolving a conflict with a group of people, you're hoping that a group of people can get to the stage of holding ambivalences and ambiguities with each other, where they can begin to look at things from a different point of view and they can say, we don't know what to do with this and we're not sure. This didn't work before. We're going to try something different in the future. That ambiguity and the capacity to hold that in public with each other is one of the arts of being human. Praising Dark Places by Yusef Kumanyaka If an old board laid out in a field or backyard for a week, I'd lift it up with a finger, a tip of a stick. Once I found a scorpion, crimson as a hibernating crawfish, as if a rainbow edged underneath. Centipedes and unnameable insects sank into loam with a flutter. My first lesson, beauty can bite. I wanted to touch scarlet pincers, warriors that never zapped their own kind, crowded into a city cut off from the penalty of sunlight. The whole rotting determinism just an inch beneath the soil. Into the darkness of opposites, like those racial fears of the night, I am drawn again to conception and birth. Roots of ivy and farkleberry can hold a board down to the ground. In this cellular dirt and calligraphy of excrement, light is a god-headed law and weapon. first thing about this brilliant poem is that the earliest part of it is a description of a boy, I think, picking up a piece of board to see what's underneath it. And you see his amazement at the colour, the the movement of insects going down into the earth, the different centipedes and unnameable insects sinking into loam. And he gets bitten and he wants to touch and he's fascinated that they don't kill each other, but nonetheless they do bite him. And the second thing about this poem is the way that the voice changes partway through it and begins to reflect on what is happening in the context of light coming into this part of the earth that was covered over by a board where darkness was the natural way within which these insects seem to flourish. That light in this context is some kind of interruption, that it's something that they scuttle away from. So, Partly, I always think that this poem is responding to the curiosity in poetry, in public language, in religion. Is light always a metaphor for good? And is dark always a metaphor for difficulty? And this poem is exploring that through the curiosity of a child and then the adult reflections of that grown-up child.
years ago I was at this big meeting I was speaking at it it was a religious meeting and the people there were singing a, a hymn kind of like a contemporary Christian chorus and the chorus of this song said Jesus make me whiter Jesus make me whiter Jesus make me whiter than the snow and there were a few thousand people singing this enthusiastically and I find it difficult to join in in choruses like that anyway, but this one just seemed to me to be so unaware of what was being repeated. Jesus, make me whiter. How in this planet, with the history that this planet has and the contemporary stories of this planet, how can you say that? I was so disturbed. And I suppose I began noticing from then, where else is it that um, the idea of white or light is a metaphor for something good and the idea that dark or black, that that can be a metaphor for difficulty. And it's so many places and so many old poetries. And this poetry has a profound intelligence looking at the curiosity of a child to bring light and the way that the light, therefore, is an interruption to the lives of these insects. And then within the context of that, how he begins to reflect on what do I think about light and dark as metaphors? first thing that comes to my mind when I think of the line beauty can bite is that he's thinking about how perhaps he might have reached down out of curiosity to a scorpion and been bitten back or almost been bitten back by it. So beauty can bite. But also he is lifting something up and exposing these insects to something that they don't want. So maybe he's the bite. And in the context of all of this, he's beginning to see himself through all kinds of ambivalences. And that's the brilliance of this poem. This poem is not saying everybody's got it wrong. It's exactly the other way around. This poem is saying we live in a situation of profound ambivalence. What do you need? What happens for you? How do we go about this? It's an invitation into magnificent subtlety and magnificent ambivalence. It is saying the world doesn't operate in this kind of a way, in a binary way. He is saying over and over again in this poem, pay attention, look, notice from the earth. It starts in the field, it goes into a little bit of abstract philosophical speculation, and then it ends back in the earth. Roots of ivy and farkleberry can hold a board down to the ground. And then he goes even further. In this cellular dirt and calligraphy of excrement, Light is a God-headed law and weapon. Whose weapon? Whose law? Whose God? In all of this, he's introducing brilliant ambivalence to the question of who gets to say light's great and darkness isn't? Who gets to say that one thing is only one thing? Toward the end of the poem, Yusuf Kamenyaka has a couple of lines where he lifts the locale of this poem and suddenly begins to look at the whole world into the darkness of opposites, like those racial fears of the night I'm drawn again to conception and birth. What's he doing in these few words? Thinking about, do conceptions happen in the light or the day? How much growth happens in the dark? How much dark is a repository for racial fears being projected onto other people? In this couple of lines, he is looking at the earth. This is the voice of a man now, not the voice of a child. He's looking at the earth and reflecting on how the earth calls to mind rituals 
and considerations of questions to do with birth, with conception, and also with death and protection. What's he saying about the nature of trying to fight for your own life? This poem, the use of Kaminyaka is posing a philosophical question about how is it that we live in the world and what metaphors are good enough for the way that we talk about good and evil. And he is saying, look, observe, be educated by the earth. What you think works as metaphor for good and for evil, pay attention as to whether that works for other living beings too and adjust your language accordingly. Be educated by the scorpion, be educated by the crimson insect or the way that a rainbow creeps underneath the board. Be educated by all of this. Displace yourself from assuming that your curiosity is the center point of analysis and find a way to listen and learn from the intelligence of the earth and the intelligence of praising dark places. Praising Dark Places by Yusuf Kamenyaka If an old board laid out in a field or backyard for a week, I'd lift it up with a finger, a tip of a stick. Once I found a scorpion, crimson as a hibernating crawfish, as if a rainbow edged underneath. Centipedes and unnameable insects sank into loam with a flutter. My first lesson, beauty can bite. I wanted to touch scarlet pincers, warriors that never zapped their own kind, crowded into a city cut off from the penalty of sunlight, the whole rotting determinism just an inch beneath the soil. Into the darkness of opposites, like those racial fears of the night, I am drawn again to conception and birth. Roots of ivy and farkleberry can hold a board down to the ground, in this cellular dirt and calligraphy of excrement, light is a God-headed law and weapon. Praising Dark Places comes from Yusuf Kumanyaka's book, Neon Vernacular. Thank you to Wesleyan University Press, who gave us permission to use Yusuf's poem. Read it on our website at onbeing.org. Poetry Unbound is Gautam Shrikishan, Aaron Kalasako, Eddie Gonzalez, Lillian Vo, Lucas Johnson, and me, Chris Hegel. 
Our music is composed and provided by Gautam Shrikashen and Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. You may enjoy our other podcasts, On Being with Krista Tippett, Becoming Wise, and This Movie Changed Me. Find those wherever you'd like to listen, or visit us at onbeing.org to find out more. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota.